0: Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. This is Brian Christopherson, and I'm joined uh, by Michael Bruntz. I can't see you, but I know you're out there. Aren't you, Bruntz? T- speak he- to me. I'm here. I, okay. I'm here. Yes. Okay. Can you see me? Are you looking at me right now? I am. I'm watching you. Oh, man. I, this feels like an unfair advantage. You can... You're <laughs> you're inside my head a little now. We don't have Mike Schaefer with us. He is... He is... Uh, Oh, there you are, Brunce. Bruns says, now I cannot see him. That's good. Uh, Mike Schaefer, I cannot see. He is what we are labeling on assignment. Um, so are you going to make some 60 Minutes reference or something, Bruns? He, He's
1: He went the way of <laughs> Leslie Stahl, Morley Safer, and uh, Andy Rooney on assignment
0: this week. Andy Rooney. There's, there's half the audience that doesn't have any idea who Andy Rooney is. Um, yeah. He was kind of a surly... Uh, What's the deal with with social media? Yeah, yeah, he would not be a fan of that. Um, but I'm getting older by the day. It's just a matter of time before I have a bird book and uh, all that stuff. So you got a hammock. You, you just need the bird book and some <laughs> some binoculars to go with it. I I do find that I enjoy the sight of birds. Like I will see an interesting bird, like the the coloring of a bird, and I'm like, man, look at that. And I'll, I'll stop and gaze at its wonder for a while. That, that that officially makes you
1: old, especially if you get out the camera and, and try to zoom in on it for, for to, to document your your birding. I'm
0: not taking pictures of birds yet, so at least that's good. Um, but we can uh, we can move from bird talk to uh, to wide receivers. They they're looking to fly this year under the uh, under the coaching of Matt Lubick. Um, that's an A plus segue. Not really, but uh, there's some good news, it feels like, on the wide receiver front with Nebraska football. We know last Friday we heard from Michael Huffman at Bellevue West, head coach there, that Xavier Betts got done what he needed to in the classroom. Uh, it went down to the wire. It was a little dicey. It was uh, nervous. Uh, but he had a good support system and give him credit. He was, he was in the ditch for a while. I mean, he was behind the last couple years and really had to play catch-up, and uh, he was honest about it and said, you know, he knew he had a challenge ahead of him, and he did it, and it appears that he will be able to arrive whenever uh, the newcomers can arrive in uh, June, hopefully, and uh, so that's good, and then Bruns can tell more about this, but he spoke in a pretty revealing interview, I think, with Omar Manning's uh, coach down there in Texas, uh, about what his situation is. Why don't you just kind of fill in what you, uh, what you know with Manning and where we're at with that?
1: Yeah, so not out of the woods yet with Omar Manning, but you can kind of start to see some light creeping through the forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically where things are with Omar right now, uh, he's still in Texas finishing up classes. He just finished up his final class uh, at Kilgore. He's got two more that he's taking online to uh, get the rest of his coursework done. It's expected, barring any hiccups, that he will complete those courses by the end of May. Uh, If he does that, um, then he could be free to join uh, guys at at Nebraska, you know, pretty quickly. Um, You know, his coach was telling me, you know, maybe July, but that was before there was kind of the momentum, I guess, to get, get guys back on campus in June. So, you know the other thing too, is if there is a hiccup, and you know that the possibility exists because you've got guys kind of spread across the country. They're all online. There's a lot of issues there uh, to to kind of have to navigate. But even if there is a hiccup, they still have the month of June to potentially get that wrapped up. So uh, you know, while not, you know completely ready to go, things are trending in a very, very good direction for him there, too. So that leaves us with Nebraska having, more than likely both of of its biggest wide receivers from a physical stature standpoint, probably its biggest commitment in Omar Manning uh, as well from just an immediate contributor point of view. Brian, what does that do to Nebraska's wide receiver room? And and it's I mean, you're not really adding anybody new, but I mean, both of these guys were pretty serious sources of stress for Nebraska and Nebraska fans for the last semester.
0: Well, this is huge news. I mean, first, let's just start with the 2020 recruiting class as a whole. I think if you, when we looked at it on paper on signing day, you're like, this looks pretty good on the surface. I, you like the names on it and how it's distributed. But if you took away even one of the two names we're talking about, Betts or Manning, from one of the biggest position need group needs on this roster, wide receiver, uh, that would have been a huge loss and really dented kind of the appearance of that class. Not only do they have all the potential, they have the size. I mean, that's what I really like. I mean, Nebraska, in a way, was becoming a little bit like the itty-bitty committee at wide receiver, and not that those guys can't get it done as blockers and all that stuff. Certainly, Wandale Robinson is not the biggest guy in the world and is a big-time player. Uh, but you needed they needed some, uh, some guys who have that 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", size. Who can help you in the red zone maybe they can help you out at blockers which I think was really lacking at times with Nebraska last year I feel they're very inconsistent on the perimeter with blocking and now you've got Manning, Betts, Hickman is now at a wide receiver spot and gives you a bigger body out there and so let's we we can talk all day about the the pass catching game uh, but what they do as far as kind of opening stuff up as blockers and being a physical presence against Big Big Ten corners, I think, is a big deal. And and you look at kind of the way that that group is is
1: distributed, the wide receiver room right now. I mean, Omar Manning comes in as you know one of the older guys in the room. You have got Cade Warner there, uh, who's been around a little bit. Uh, we we don't know officially what J D Spielman's status is, uh, but beyond those guys, it's a really really young room. I mean, the and the guys that you have coming back off redshirt seasons, to your point, I mean, Demary and Houston and, and Jamie Nance are not big guys by any means. So, you know, the, adding that size, I, I think, will help Nebraska on uh, kind of those the, the much maligned swing passes and, and quick passes to the outside that, yeah, part of it was, you know, Adrian Martinez wasn't consistent with where he was hitting guys with that. But at the same time, you know, there were a lot of instances where, you know, the, the guy catching the ball just didn't have time to turn and try to get uphill or make a move or, you know, in this current group, you know, you, you're not, if Wondell Robinson doesn't have time to show off his athleticism, you know, what, what good is that athleticism? So that that's where I, I think that those guys can help you, especially Manning. I, I just think a guy that, you know, is a, every bit of six four two twenty five a guy who has, kind of been through the ringer a little bit at TCU. He didn't play, but he practiced and is well aware of kind of what you have to do at that level. I I think that makes that wide receiver room look a heck of a lot different. And especially when you get down in the red zone, because that, that was one area where Nebraska just did not have a guy last year who could just go up and get a pass when when they needed to in traffic.
0: Yeah. You know, what stood out to me about uh, Manning when I was reading your story, he goes to Juco and he's, suddenly in kind of a small time setting and he's dealing with these rough circumstances. It can be really hard when you're a player like him to see your dream at that point. Like it, it seems so distant, you know, you're, you're, you feel like you're so far removed from the big time college football that's going on on Saturdays. It's on your TV. And it sounded like when he first started that journey of Juco ball, it was a problem for him. Like, it was, a, it was a, a struggle, and he really did a nice job about kind of flipping the script with that and uh, has really worked hard both, I think, in the classroom, it sounds like, and also it, it working out. And so that, that's what I like about Manning. I, I have to think a guy like him, sort of like it was with Diedrich Mills last year when he got here, when you would hear Diedrich Mills talking about being a Husker athlete and just walking around campus – and playing against the likes of Wisconsin and Ohio State, Diedrich Mills was motivated just by the fact that he's here and he's part of this and he gets to experience what it's like. I have to think that could be the same for Omar Manning after what he's been through. It's just going to feel like a weight is off his shoulders when he steps on campus.
1: Yeah, it, it's as his coach was talking to me, I was kind of thinking of you know Last Chance U, the, the documentary on Netflix where – you know, you you can see, I think, where a guy that had to kind of humble himself and take a step back like that was going. It would it would challenge him a little bit. And and you know, the the thing about I, I think JUCO ball, especially in that situation, is you just got to kind of put your head down, get the work done, and, and get out of there. I mean, that that's really the 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 thing about it. And they said, you know, that the switch kind of flipped for him uh, after maybe a semester or so there that. You know, he just needed to get it done, uh, needed to start going to class consistently and and just handle his business. And, you know, I, I I asked his coach because Omar Manny doesn't do interviews. He really doesn't. And it's been pretty quiet around him. It was quiet during his recruitment uh, from the time that he visited in the summer until the time that he committed in December. And I said, you know, obviously he's not a guy that does many interviews, but, you know, what was that recruiting process like for him? And His coach said, you know, they had everybody in the country calling about him because he's an NFL type body. Uh, You know, he's a a, a six foot four, 225 pound kid that runs a a four six. I mean, or a four four uh, somewhere in that area. So, you know, he's an elite athlete. And, you know, I I think sometimes it's just a matter of getting that done and and kind of moving on. And and I agree with you that I, I think a guy like that who's kind of been humbled a little bit it kind of uh, fixes your focus a little bit uh, to, to kind of get back and, and just kind of take, care of take care of business at the next step. And I think you're right. Mills is a perfect example of guys doing that.
0: The next question with guys like that, uh, well, let's use Xavier Betts as a main example because we know that he's apparently ready to now be a Husker Um And Michael Huffman mentioned to me that, you know, it's sort of a target date and it can be a moving target in these uncertain times. But Betts has the second week of June in mind as when he might show up and when some of those 2020 newcomers might show up to Nebraska. Now, Nebraska hasn't said anything publicly about that yet, for sure. Um, But we're starting to around the country pick up headlines about when schools are having their athletes return and Ohio state was making a lot of noise in the last 24 hours or so. I think June 8th, I believe is the target date, right? When they're bringing guys back. And, uh, June 1st is the date as of right now. That is sort of though we'll see if the big 10 allows training activities, uh, from that point going forward or not. That's, they can't until then at least, but what do you think is going to happen here? Bruns with just a timetable, um over the next three to four weeks and what we're looking at as far as getting guys on campus here in nebraska and in the big 10
1: yeah so the 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 big one is the the sec is going to vote on friday i believe it is about kind of what they want to do time frame wise bringing guys back Um, things pointing there to you know june first probably being when guys will start reporting there. And it's, it's kind of a domino effect, I think. I think you're going to see the Big Ten follow suit pretty quickly. Obviously, Ohio State, like you said, is kind of uh, targeting the 8th of June to come back. I don't think that Nebraska is going to be very conservative with bringing guys back. I think they felt for a long time that the safest place for players is on campus um, mm-hmm. because they can feed them. They can kind of control everything. Uh, you know, I, I think they have plans well in motion of how they're going to operate. Um, you know, I've seen reports of some schools even planning to do outdoor weight rooms uh, to allow them to uh, get those guys back on campus. So I think you're going to see more movement towards that. I think the Big 12's in is in a unique situation because they've kind of been backpedaling on, you know, we're not going to bring guys back to you know, you've got the commissioner now saying that, yeah, we could probably play games without students on campus. So I think they'll be close behind the Pac-12 and the ACC I, I, are going to be worth watching because I think they're a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, unique geographically. But, you know, for, from kind of the, the little tea leaves here and there and then Ohio State's AD today saying they have plans to play games in front of 20 to 30,000 people at Ohio Stadium. I I don't know about you, but I'm I'm much more, I mean, I'm much more, but I'm more in the camp of there's going to be some kind of football this fall uh, than I was
0: maybe two weeks ago and certainly a month ago. Yeah, it's pointing that way. Uh, I mean, it is strongly pointing that way now. I feel like in the last, it's basically the last five to seven days, It's gone from me thinking, yeah, they're going to have to force the issue somehow, and I think they'll play. I'm pretty sure of it. To I'd be really stunned now if there's not football in some form where it does get interesting, and it's going to be so bizarre um, and not ideal, but yet um, it's going to knock our, it's going to blow our minds when we're if we are truly watching football games in some of these venues like Ohio Stadium at the Horseshoe Memorial Stadium. And they decide, okay, we're going to let um, a fourth of the stadium in or something, you know, a fourth of what we can hold. And we're going to spread people out and just what that would look like, what it's going to sound like, um, what it does from a competitive standpoint. Like, I mean, Nebraska, honestly, Nebraska hasn't been great at home in recent years, um, which I mean, you think – You want to protect your backyard, but with all those fans, Nebraska hasn't done a ton of winning at home, so I don't know how big a factor that'll be, and when we've talked about it before off air, Nebraska's got a young roster in some spots, and some of these guys, their first experience at college football could be playing in a stadium that's a fifth full where maybe that helps them. I don't know. Maybe you you don't have that intense crowd noise or the feeling like everybody's on top of you. Um, like you would in a normal setting i wonder if it, if it helps some of those young guys
1: yeah i mean that's that's going to be the fascinating thing i mean do we see do, do, do they just go conference only schedules though i mean that's something we don't know yet do they start on time there, there's so many questions that they still have to address i mean the, what they decide to do with with non-conference stuff is going to have a trickle-down effect because so many of those schools playing by games need that cash for their athletic departments just to function. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the other thing too, to kind of keep an eye on, I mean, Nebraska, the university has said that they plan on being on campus in person, um, this coming fall, but then you have schools like Notre Dame, like South Carolina saying, we're going to move up the start of our academic years and we're going to finish by Thanksgiving, which aligns pretty closely with what you have to do football season wise too. So, I mean, that that's another reason why I think you're going to see a few more schools go to that type of a setup. And I, I think that that bodes well for
0: some kind of football in the fall. June, June is going to be a newsy month. I mean, in the next, I would say two to four weeks, It's going to, there's going to be as much happening as far as big headlines that we've had in the summer in a long time, if ever. I just think that there's so many big decisions, and then there's so many sidebars to every decision. Like if you decide, um, you only want a sliver of the fans in the stadium, who are those fans? How do you decide that? I mean, that, that, that's just going to be, it's going to be nuts. So, um, I'm not, I haven't enjoyed this at all, like anybody, but I'm sort of in, just fascinated by what awaits us. And I also do understand, kind of going back to the start of this conversation, I get why Bill Moose says, we'd rather have these athletes closer, um, you know, where you're there at least in monitoring distance. Maybe you don't see them every day at first, but at least they're close by if something happens. And if I were an athlete, Honestly, goodness, I'd rather be closer to campus because I know I, if I'm at a place like Nebraska, I've got resources. I've I've got the treatment probably to, to help me better than I would in other cases in some of these towns where kids are coming from. And so I would, uh, for my own benefit, I would prefer that if I were an athlete. Well, and, and, you know, the reality is, I mean, yeah, you had players going home, but a lot of guys
1: stuck around. They did, uh, yes. And, and so— You know, you're starting to see on social media some more guys who are from, uh, you know, the East Coast are coming back. Uh, I I saw uh, Ronald Tompkins is back in town, Ramir Johnson, uh, some of those guys. So, you know, it's I I think we're going to have guys working out and getting going here a little bit sooner, uh, sooner than later.
0: So. Yeah. uh, Go ahead. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and although those guys are going to want to get into weight rooms locally that, you know, I'm sure people, are, local businesses are doing the best they can to have things be clean and set up the way they're supposed to be. But, um, is that a better situation than Nebraska controlling, like how it's set up? I probably not. And so that's, that's why I think they want to get, get their grip back on things as soon as they can. Cause I, I, I think they think it's in the better safety of athletes, but, uh, a lot of things are going to happen in the next week or two. And of course, we'll update all that. In the meantime, what I think we need to do is spin the wheel. Do you, I mean, do you kind of
1: concur with that? Yeah, let me, uh, should we take a break and I can get it out of the closet here and get it ready to yeah. go?
0: Yeah, you, you get your muscles going and move that out here and we'll be back and we are going to spin the wheel with some important topics.
2: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
0: All right, welcome back to uh, the Husker Twenty Four Seven podcast. This is Brian Christopherson. I'm joined by Michael Bruns, and uh, you went and you you dug the wheel out of the closet, and uh, you're ready to give it a, give it a go.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll give it a spin here. Uh, we we got some topics engraved, courtesy of uh, some of the fine folks and members at Husker Twenty Four Seven. Still going, I see um they they came over to your house and
0: and engraved it or what
1: no no, they just passed it along and i engraved it uh okay here we go here's your first question what do you what do you think is the easiest and hardest positions to recruit for and what and within your answer this is a a lot of engraving within your answer (laughs) what what contributes to that ease or difficulty that's from uh casey
0: husker 44 I also engrave that on the wheel. Okay. Um, that's a, a tough question. The answer I'm going to give is I'm going to say middle linebacker has the most dudes walking around that like fit the label like size wise where you look at them like, okay, there's a lot of guys who are good athletes who fit in that 195 to 210 pound range and you could stick them at middle backer and see what they do. We see, like, a lot of walk-ons come in and have a shot at middle backer and things like that. So I would say middle backer. Now, I don't want to do any disrespect to middle backer because those guys have to process a ton of information. So you got to get the right type of guy mentally for that spot. And um, the difference between just recruiting a guy and a dude is another matter completely. And Nebraska still has to find those dudes in the middle. But I would say there is a a heavier amount of guys who at least by their dimensions fit middle backer than some other positions. So that's your easiest.
1: I I th- I think it's running back. I, I think I think you can see enough on film to and especially as if you're familiar enough with level of competition, you can see things that, you know, guys that have that extra gear, that extra burst who you know, can get an extra five yards when they shouldn't or guys that can take a 15 yard gain and turn it into a 75 yard gain. I, I think I think you can see that. I think you nowadays with seven on seven, you can kind of get, them an, get an idea of how a guy's hands are uh, in the passing game. So I think it's it's running back is probably where I would go. I think. The most difficult position to me, I'll go I'll – just, I'll just hop in line here. I'll do the chat and cut. Um, I, I think the most difficult for me is center because, especially at Nebraska, you look at the way that that position has been recruited, and it's really kind of been tough sledding. And more often than not, you're taking a kid and, and trying to make him a center who was not a center in high school because rarely is your best offensive lineman going to be your center. You're going to put him at tackle. Or you're going to put him at guard maybe. So I think you can teach anybody to snap, but I think it's sometimes difficult to project if a kid can possess the athleticism at a, a different weight and, and kind of do everything else mentally that a center has to do to make that work. So I would go with center is my most difficult. I, I have an idea of where you're going to go with your most difficult. And I, I, if you go where I think you're going to go, that was going to be my number two.
0: Uh, let's see if I surprise you. Um, it's funny. I say middle backer easiest, and I, I almost hate using that term. But uh, outside backer, who which has some of the guys with similar dimensions, of course, but it feels like you're asking guys, can they cover in space? Can they rush the passer? Can they do these two things that are so far in contrast to one another, honestly, like you're, you're okay. You're trying to cover, um, and it's an outside back. You're trying to cover somebody like Wondell Robinson on occasion, you know, or somebody like that. Um, and, and then, okay, now on this play, we need, we need you to get to the QB. We need to get you past a 315 pound Wisconsin offensive lineman and you got to get to that guy. So I think as has been proven, Those guys, it's not easy to find somebody who is special there. And Nebraska is in that desperate search right now to find that guy or two who is special and can turn a game on its ear at that position. So I would say that. Um, Defensive line, I think Eric Chenander says this all the time, and I understand it. I think offensive line, you could say the same. It's hard to know... um, when you watch a guy's film in high school, if he's that good sometimes, or if it's just that he's massively oversized compared to his competition and it's just men against boys and we'll see what he does when it's actually a fair fight. Like Henry Latovsky was very honest in an interview with me where he's just like, yeah, nobody's my size here. So the competition is tough to go against. You don't know exactly where you rate sometimes. And, uh, that that's where it becomes tough as an evaluator. You see a 300 five pound kid pushing around a 190 pound kid on high highlight tapes that doesn't do you a lot of good honestly when you're trying to figure out if they can do the same thing against Ohio State yeah and it, it is kind of going back to your your
1: outside linebacker it, it feels like a lot of times you can get a guy that that's good at one skill but not both like you, you have to kind of develop one or at least that's the, been the way it's been at Nebraska for a while where you know, you have a guy like, you know, Pat Payton's a, a good example of a of a guy that Nebraska just got a commitment from. You know, he's got 16, 17 sacks in a season, but you know, again, you know, are are you comfortable defending in space? Maybe, you know, that that's not a knock on him. Maybe he is. We'll see. But it it just seems like so often, you know, guys being comfortable in space is tough, and 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 I think sometimes too, that's why you see a guy like Luke Gifford kind of thrive in, in, a, in a position like that because he started out as a safety. He kind of understands the coverage game. And, you know, then you kind of have to add the size and, and you know, the ability to get after the quarterback and all that stuff. But I, I think sometimes it's easy to to kind of start with the, the coverage ability and add the other stuff than it is maybe to go, you know, a guy that would maybe be a 4-3 defensive end and you have to stand him
0: up and then teach
1: him how to cover. I think that's a little bit tougher to do.
0: And one more, I I wouldn't necessarily call it easy, but I think a guy like Travis Fisher can spot pretty quickly in a cornerback if he's got the basic stuff, you know? Like, I think it's very easy for him to watch a guy um, a few times. Now, the the tough part is, and it's getting easier because there's more seven-on-seven camps and all this stuff, but the tough part is for a long while, you had high schools that weren't throwing the football and so some guys would just sit out there who were great cornerbacks or we thought they were, but they never had to really, they were never in on the action. Um, like Mario Goodrich, you know, I went down there a couple of years ago when he was a Husker commit and watched him and he, there was like two plays all game that he was involved in and it wasn't his fault, but it's like, how do you evaluate that? But I do think Travis Fisher can watch his position and, uh, like Timone Lynham, for example, he he sees enough tape where he's like, yes, this guy's got the basic stuff. Or Quentin Newsome, who some people thought was a safety, and Travis Fisher sees no, no, no. The way he can move his hips and all that stuff that uh, the combine lovers get into, uh, he can he can identify quickly. All right, here's your here's your. It's a quick spin. You ready? Oh, it's like a quick pitch uh, that when guys get a little. Uh, kind of cheating, I feel like, in Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah, okay. What is what is the staff's biggest hurdle to overcome this season? Could be external, could be internal. It was uh, courtesy of, hey,
0: it's your boy, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> or, hey, Zeus. Hey, Zeus. Um, makes me think of the Big Lebowski a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I'm going to go Mental. I think this team, as many close games as they've lost, the biggest hurdle is is getting those first couple of games in the next season where you find a way in the last five minutes of a four-point game that you believe you're going to win. You expect to win, not like hoping you can win or kind of doubting. And I feel like around here, um, it feels like the the feeling of something bad is going to happen has kind of hovers above the stadium when nebraska plays now like even it's pal- when they- it's palpable like they yeah. can feel it a good example i was standing next to Schaefer on this down in the end zone after nebraska took the lead at purdue last year it remember they they lost the lead then they got it back there's like five minutes left and purdue brings in the backup to the backup quarterback for the last series and uh, Schaefer was kind of—I'm calling him out a little bit. He was confident the Huskers were going to get the stop, and I was not. I said, "I know." I said, "I've seen this. This is not. This is going to go bad." And I think, the, unfortunately, I feel like that these guys have been a part of it. They, there's that feeling on the sideline too. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. How are we going to figure this out? How are we going to pull this game out, even when you are have the advantage at your side? And so to me, that component – and Minnesota found it last year. Minnesota was not a great team in September. They were barely beating South Dakota State and Georgia State and some of these teams. And uh, But they found ways to win those close games early, and then suddenly it's a habit where it's like, oh, you made the play that last week. I'm going to make the play this week. And you start to think good things are going to happen. Nebraska is going to be in a tight game early on next year. And they need, unlike Colorado, kind of set the tone negatively this last year, they need someone to make that that moment happen, and then suddenly you're feeding off of a good thing. Yeah, to, to me, I, I, I'll i go more tangible
1: on field stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think the line play has to be better. I, I think it's it's something that Nebraska, I think, can overcome. I think that the offensive line for the first time in a while has – depth and depth that you can count on i mean i i feel like in the past nebraska basically had like six guys and then if you had an injury or something like that it was going to be kind of rough sailing so i think the offensive line can be better i think it mm-hmm. has to be better i think a better running game would serve this team a lot uh, not only from just being able to move the ball i think it frees up play calling a lot more i just think it would would help Even Adrian Martinez a lot more if they had some kind of uh, consistent uh, running game. Uh, And then the defensive line, too. I mean, that that group is going to have a lot of eyes on it with good reason. You lose, you know, Khalil Davis, Carlos Davis, two draft picks. Darian Daniels, a very sought after NFL free agent undrafted. Uh, You've got bodies there. You've got guys that you've recruited to your system uh that are ready to step in or you believe are ready to step in and it's time for that group to to step up i mean you've given up four and a half yards of carry as a defense the last last year even more the year before that and that number has to improve for nebraska to take a step forward you need to be able to get stops on third and one you have to be able to uh force force the other team to punt uh and it, i just think a lot of that starts up front a lot of that uh will help uh that, that second unit or the second level of the linebackers so i think line play has to be better i think that's something that nebraska needs to to overcome so there, go ahead go ahead go on no i was i was going to spend one more time but you you had something on this topic
0: so go ahead No, my last thought is the red zone. I felt like when Nebraska, obviously the kicking situation was a problem on offense, but the defense, when you look at the numbers, when teams got down there way too often, they're going in for six. And you've got to start, I mean, think of all the close games this team has lost. If a couple of those drives, you, you hold them to three points there, um... You know, you go to a bowl game last year if you finish a couple more drives or you, you, you get a little stiffer in the red zone. So that area, they've got to completely flip that stat because it has not been uh, near what it needs to be. All right. One more. One more quick
1: spin. I think we might have hit on something like this before with the, with the one remaining topic I've got on here. But uh, OK, there it goes. Stopped. Uh, what? Kind of thinking about you know just discussing that Nebraska has something that they you know have to overcome or whatever, but what do you see about g- give me a positive or two that you see right now where we stand on May twentieth that uh, things are, are going in the right direction and that perhaps this could be a uh, you know a, a, a different narrative for
0: Nebraska this season. That was a lot to engrave. Cameron Jurgens. Uh, And it hits to what you were getting at in the last question, because I think him specifically, I felt like by late October, the snapping issues had sort of gone away. But more than that, he was in command. He suddenly was calling out things quickly, and Nebraska was finding a rhythm more on offense. Like if you watched them play against Wisconsin, Nebraska moved the ball really well that day against a pretty good defense, top 10 defense. And Cam Jurgens in that O line, they just look different. Suddenly, you had a game, you had a, you're running the ball with your running back, but it all starts with the offensive line, and it starts with your center, um, getting the snaps right, not throwing off your quarterback's rhythm, not disrupting everything around him. And I feel like I will give the staff credit on this. There was a lot of noise about five games in to make a change at center. There, people are like, you know, this isn't, this is just a mess, and it was but I feel like they look. they played the long game on that one. Uh, they they said we're going to we're going to sift through this. This is there's going to be some black guys and this is going to be tough. But uh, at the end of this year, we we have a guy we really believe is like an all-conference type player in the next few years at this position and we just got to let him work through this in front of everybody. And it was unfortunate for Cam, he's a great kid that he had to do that. Uh, but I think he's going to be better for it.
1: Yeah. I I think a couple things that that stand out to me as as positives or at least I liked what I heard and and we'll see if that translates to anything in in the fall. But, you know, it, that little media session that we had in the spring, I, I was, I liked what Greg Austin said. I I thought that, you know, more, more than we've heard in the past two off seasons with the staff, I really think that they kind of went back to the drawing board without a very fine tooth comb on what worked, what didn't last season. I think Greg Austin being more involved in the running game uh, and the planning there will, will be a benefit too. But I I think, you know, a second year of missing a bowl game, I think this team and the staff really kind of took a pretty hard look at itself and, you know, what, what worked, what didn't. I think the fact that you're seeing this complete overhaul on special teams uh, is a reflection of that. Uh, We'll see if that translates to the fall. Uh, You know, there's still a lot that they have to be able to show. But I I think, you know, some good hard self-scouting, I think, is important. And Greg Austin said it was even more intense than the one that they did uh, back at UCF after their first season there. So does that bear fruit? I don't know. But it it seems like they're making the right steps now uh, to kind of help there. And the other thing that I think that will probably benefit this team is I think, you know, you're not really having a ton of turnover on defense. Uh, You know, so many times in the last decade in Nebraska, they're running a different scheme or a new coordinator or new coaches and guys moving in and out. And even though you had Javon DeWitt go out, you had uh, I'm blanking on his name. Troy Walters. Uh, No, outside linebackers coach. Oh, Mike Dawson. But you had Mike Dawson come back in. There, there's continuity there. You, you've got guys that are in their third year in this system uh, as players. Uh, you've recruited a lot of young talent on the on the defense to your system. I think that that can kind of help that group because I, I, I'm expecting that Nebraska is going to have to outscore a, a lot of teams uh, just because they have so many guys back on offense. But I think the, the potential is there for this defense to also take a step forward. And I think a large part of that is just continuity uh, with what they're doing from a scheme
0: point of view. Yeah, and Shenander said sort of what he said for the defensive side, what you're saying kind of from Austin, too. I think they're going to simplify some things. Um, and in this weird time where the the whole practice setting might be condensed before the season, The fact that you already were planning to like, hey, we're going to cut back maybe a few areas here and there. And that was your plan since like January. That could serve them well. It's not like they're making a drastic audible here on their philosophy about simplification. You know, it's been something on their mind. So uh, that could be useful uh, in a time where it's going to be. uh, You better be quick with uh, your coaching and quick have some quick studies on your team and figuring things out because they're not going to get as many practices. So all that uh, could be positive. I think Matt Lubick we'll see uh, could be positive because I think he's a very detailed guy. And I think he brought some organizational skills to that room too. And so uh, that could be a benefit. And, and a guy that's going to earn his paycheck too,
1: uh, for, for what we kind of said with that, that the youth in that wide receiver room, uh, he's going to have to find guys that can help him right away and, and really develop them too.
0: Yep. They needed a new voice. I, that's nothing. I mean, Troy Walters has been a good coach before and can be again. That's another place. But uh, that room needed a new voice, and so we'll see if it pays off. I think. Uh, I think your arm's tired from spinning the wheel. Am I right? Yeah, I got it iced up. I got the mm-hmm. uh, the Eddie Harris special on it. I got I got the
1: the Ben Gay, some icy hot, whatever combo of that stuff is. That was a quality
0: quality start by you, though. You went about six and a third. That I would say. I gave, I gave my team a chance today. That's all yeah. I can do. That's all you can do. That's all we can do on this podcast. But uh, there's going to be, as we've said, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. This is not the time uh, to cover, put the blanket over your head. There, there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening in the next few weeks. And we will have all the latest updates, uh, recruiting information, team information, all of it on Husker 24-7. Okay,
3: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.